as I come to prepare the word today and as I have prepared the word today, I would just invite you to, to come with an open heart and an open mind that, that God may move in this place and his word may pierce us like a sword in the heart, that it may touch our very being and it may change us from this point forth. You know, Monica prayed this morning in the prayer meeting. She said the prayer and, and some of the words that she used were that we can't stay the same. If we're going to stay the same, nothing will ever change. And that often when we go through times of challenge, it hurts. And today I believe God has brought us a word of challenge for this new future, for this new beginning that, that he's put in front of us. So why don't we just pray right now, just for a moment. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come and stand before your people. Lord, I thank you for your words that you've placed within me. And I ask you to send these words out right now with boldness and, and with courage. That those that hear may be challenged and stirred. And that we may leave this place no longer the same, but with different perspectives. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, in recent weeks, Pastor Ben has been talking about Joshua and the stories in Joshua about going into the promised land and, and the phrase that, that stuck with me, the verse that stuck with me was to be strong and courageous. And you know, standing before you is often something that is quite intimidating or I may hold back a little because I'm scared of what other people may think or may feel about my word, but I know that this word today is not from me, it's from God, and, and that I pray that God will use me to be able to share it in a new way and with new boldness and confidence. And I pray right now, and, and I, I ask for courageousness, for courage from you guys that are listening to this word today, whether you're here in the room or you're listening it some other time, courage that you may accept what God is saying to us, that you may no longer let these words just be words, but you may have the courage to step forth and act on them, that as we pray for new beginnings in this place, that the things that will change us and change our community and change our hearts is courage. It's courage to take that step forth. It's courage to, to let go of the fear and push that aside and to move into something greater. I want to talk today about perspective because I believe that a new beginning requires a new perspective. You start anything, you need to look at it differently, whether you're planning to build a house or whether you're, you're planning to go to the shops, you need to look at it with a list and a plan and a perspective. And sometimes we need to change our perspectives. And, I, and I, the thing that came to me was new lenses. You know, I remember when I got these lenses as a man of 44 years old now, I got these lenses because I could no longer, my eyes were not functioning as they should. You know, and without them on right now, I can see you all, but there's not a clarity that comes when I put these on. Because I can see outside to the garden and the colour, but I can't see it with clarity as I should. I can see faces in the crowd, but I can't see them with the clarity that I could and I should and that they were designed for. For these were designed to give me a new vision. They were designed to give me 
to change what is deteriorating in me and to make it perfect again. I, can, I no longer squint if I have to read something. They bring clarity. But sometimes we don't realise. I was getting headaches and, and my eyes were becoming sore, but I didn't realise how much I relied on these lenses. And I think sometimes that's like that with God. When God gives us new perspectives is that we don't actually realise what we were seeing before was, was faulty. You know, we don't realise what we were seeing before. The perspective might have been a bit skewed over the years. That it started, it started as clarity. My natural eyes started with clarity, and, and they saw things in a way when I was young that that was perfect. But as I grew older, and as I lived life, and as things around me shaped me, as I sat before the computer too long, it, it shaped me because it deteriorated my vision. And I wonder right now in this place if there's things in your life that have started to deteriorate your vision. And God would come today and say, what are your new lenses? What are your new lenses? What are the things that shape us? And when we have our glasses on and these new lenses on my eyes, I begin to notice new things. I begin to see clarity and I begin to see colour. And I begin to realise I can read the print back there on the words and I begin to see things that I've never seen before. And so my prayer today for us as a church would be that God would give us words and encouragement that cause us to put new lenses on, that we'll no longer see things like we used to, that we will start to see colour around us and we'll start to see things. We'll start to reset our vision. And sometimes that becomes a challenge because the things that, we once overlooked other things that we now see. It's, it would be like this carpet if I was coming to clean it and I didn't have my glasses on, I might not notice the specks of dirt before me. But when I put my glasses on, I can see, I can see the imperfections. I can see the little things left over from yesterday. Because when we challenge ourselves to look with lenses that are new, when we challenge ourselves to look at the world that we live in through the lens of Jesus, we start to see things that we'd never seen before. Or we see things that we may have overlooked before because our sight had deteriorated to a point where we just were blasé with it. And the dirt that was on our, under our feet wasn't something that we saw. I believe that as we move into the new season that God has for us, like Pastor Ben has been sharing, that God is setting us up to move into a promised land and, and a place where we can minister like we've never ministered before, that God will give us new lenses. He'll reveal to us new things. He'll set aside us for us new challenges that we've never noticed before. He'll, he'll give us new promises and new directions. And most of all, he'll bring a be strong and courageous attitude and he'll give us new boldness. You know, we started back pop-up kitchen this week and what a blessing it is to be able to, in this season, come together as, as an extended family and serve the community as we do. But one of the things that's exciting about 2020 in pop-up kitchen is that we're no longer content to just view pop-up kitchen through the lens of 
putting a meal on the table and making it a nice place for people to come to. We've, we as a leadership team have discovered that we need to equip people to see their world differently. We need to have boldness and courage in ourselves to start to bring the word to these people. Because what we've done is we've cultivated, a, we've made a culture where people now trust us. And we want to come and bring a word that, that touches their hearts, that causes them to see themselves with new lenses. Just as we begin to see our world with new lenses, we're, we're hoping for them to see themselves with a new lens. I love being part of a church, and, and you'll see it on the wall in the foyer. And I just happened in my preparation to bring up the Port Church website because I knew this, this was on there, but it revealed to me many other things about who we are and the DNA of who we are. Because we are a church that says, we are a church where loving God, loving each other, and loving our community counts for everything. We haven't used the word there, counts for somewhat of our busy, busy lives. We haven't put the word there sometimes. We are a church where loving God, loving each other and loving our community sometimes matters. No, we have put a, a declaration on our wall that says we are a church where loving God, number one, loving each other and loving our community counts for everything. As I went on to read on the website, I found another, some other language, and it says that we are committed to adding value to the world we live in, no matter the gender, the race, the age, or the belief system, and we should be the example of Jesus. No matter who we deal with in this community, in this world. And isn't it significant at this time where all over the world we're seeing uprising and tension and chaos, but God is calling us as the Port Church to minister to our community without bias, that we'll see the community with a lens like Jesus says, sees them. It's on our website. It's challenging and it's one of our core beliefs. And I think perhaps the most challenging part of who we believe and what we believe is seven words, I think, that we should live like Jesus lived. Because truly, it's a nice catch cry and we could print that on T-shirts and we used to as... I wrote this somewhere, but I'm skipping ahead. We used to. If you, were, if you grew up in the Christian church in, in the early 2000s, we used to wear these wristbands. Get them from Word Bookstore. We, we used to wear them, and they used to say, WWJD. What would Jesus do? And that's skipping ahead, but that's what we used to do. I'll get back to that. 1 John 2 verse 6 says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. It's challenging. You see, Jesus wasn't a man who was comfortable with the community that he lived in. 
Jesus wasn't a man who lived on this earth and walked around with no glasses on looking at life and just stepping over the dirt that was on. He put new lenses on and he challenged who, who he, he challenged culture. You know, every day I, I sit in an office, I work for the Salvation Army for those who don't know me. And I, and I sit in the welfare offices at Arndale in an area that's overrun with ice addicts and prostitution and domestic violence. And it's the same for the peninsula that we live on. Yes, we have pockets of wealth and we have pockets of middle class Australian life, but we have so much that's sitting under the, hidden away, the ice addicts and the domestic violence, the alcohol abuse and the mental health. We have so much in this community. And my challenge, God's challenge to us is how can we have new perspectives and how can we check our vision? I wonder today if we do a, an eye test on ourselves. Maybe not an eye test, but a heart check. How do we see our community we live in? Are we content to just step over the dirt that's on the floor? Or do we put on new lenses and see? Do we truly see like Jesus saw? Because if our call is to live like Jesus lived, he didn't overlook anybody in his community. He didn't overlook the leper, the widow, the prostitute. When we read about Jesus, we discover that he did lots of his ministry outside the temple and outside the holy places. But one thing I noticed as I was preparing, and this came to me really late, so it's not on my notes, but because I had written that, I'd written that he did lots of his work outside of the church, outside of the, the temple, so to speak. But there is this one story in Luke 4, 16, and it was the Sabbath day and he actually went into the synagogue and he stood up and he read from a scroll and it was the prophet Isaiah and he unrolled it and he found a place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the, Lord, the year of the Lord's favour. You see, Jesus was amongst the people, but he also challenged the church. He was amongst the people on the street and in the places of the community, but he also challenged what the church believed because he... He reassured them that their calling was not just for themselves but was for the community in who they lived and who they ministered to. And that if they continued to sit inside their temples and their synagogues then they would grow stuffy and stale. He ministered at the party and he ministered at the town gate. He ministered beside the well and he ministered on the fringes of society he ministered to women, to those from other places and those not like him. He ministered to the humble 
and to the poor. He ministered to the despised and the outcast. He ministered to everybody. He didn't see them for their social status or their physical looks. He saw their heart and he saw them as precious creations. He reminded me that he saw the outcast. And I was led to a scripture in the very well-known scripture in John. Emma, if you can put that up. The woman at the well. It's a well-known story, but I wanted, as I prepared to discover why, why these Samaritans in the Bible were so bad, I, I recalled stories about them. and I'm no biblical scholar, but I had to look up why these Samaritans were so despised and and I loved looking at the and looking at how we're going to look at the woman at the well. But as you leave this place today, I would invite you to look at the Good Samaritan story and look at it with new lenses. Because what happened in the Good Samaritan story was that those that were like us, the law and the religious people overlooked the man that was hurting. But the Samaritan or the outcast actually ministered to these guys. And, and, and this story about the woman at the well, you know, the Samaritans, they were, uh, they were a people who were Jewish but Gentile. And, it was, and as I did some research, I found that it was basically a political and a religious issue that, that the Jews had with them. Uh, some writers said that it was basically like the old Protestants and Catholics of Northern Ireland, the hatred that they had between each other, the Samaritans and the Jews, that it was almost like um, what Bosnia was with the Serbs and the, and the Muslims, that it was a deep hatred, a hatred that, that would, could lead to war and conflict. And it was such a deep hatred that the Jews, when they were travelling, they would skirt around Samaria because they didn't want to go through their land, because... They were such a hatred, hated people. But what do we see Jesus do? You know, the, uh, you imagine you're going to a destination and you purposely don't want to go through this place. So you, you skirt around the outside and you might have taken days. You're walking. It may have caused you to take an extra week to get around. And that was the tradition. But Jesus, Jesus was going through Samaria you see, he, he chose to go through a place where his enemy was set, were, were placed, where the despised were placed, where the outcasts were placed. He went through there and he came to Jacob's well and he was tired there and he came and sat down by the well and it was about noon. Noon would have been midday, the hottest part of the day. We're talking about a place in the middle of the desert, basically. You think Adelaide's hot? We turn that up by, by 10 or 20 degrees and it was hot. Jesus was there at the well. Most people in, in this culture would have been at home resting because in the middle of the day, in the hottest part of the day, you'd, work up, you'd wake up, you'd do your work early, you'd go and have a nap, you'd cool yourself in the home. Most people were at home resting and yet a woman had come in the middle of the day 
she came to draw water. And I want to pause there and, and, and think about this through the eyes of Jesus. Let's look at her through the eyes of Jesus for a moment, shall we? This woman purposely left her home in the middle of the day. She purposely came to this well in the middle of the day, in the heat. What was her agenda? You know, in this time, this well would have been busy. It would have been busy with the local women of the community. But she came in the middle of the day to avoid them. To avoid the crowds. To avoid the other women. To avoid the shame. The talk and the judgment. Because we find that as we read this scripture, that she'd been married five times. And culturally, she would have been talked about. Culturally, she would have been an outcast. You imagine the crowds gathering at the well and as she came in the morning or in the evening that she would be talked about, that they would look at her in a way that was judgmental and she's the woman with five, that's had five husbands and this one she's living with now it's not even a husband. So she's positioned herself to come in the middle of the day to avoid all that. And she happens to find Jesus there. And he's a man. And in that culture, that would have been different for a man to be sitting beside the well. He's a man who doesn't judge, he doesn't judge her behavior. He doesn't judge her culture. He doesn't look at her the way the women that gather there in the morning do because he was looking at her with a different lens. He was looking at her and seeing her humanity but seeing her heart and he offers her living water. He offers her hope. Can you skip for me, Em? He offers her hope because he says, everyone who drinks this water from the well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring welling up to eternal life. Then the woman said to him, Sir, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Because she didn't like coming there in the middle of the day in the heat. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. And then they had the discussion about Jesus knowing her and seeing her despite her faults. Jesus saw her and he didn't, care that she had five husbands he didn't speak the way others spoke about her past can you go to the next slide em and she said sir i can see that you're a prophet our ancestors worshipped on this mountain but you jews claim that the place where we must worship is jerusalem and he said back to her believe me a time is coming 
when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know and we worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one who am speaking to you, is he, is the Messiah. You know, the message translation says in this part here, in this, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. The message Eugene uh, Peterson in his translation says that God is seeking people who are honest with themselves. God is seeking people who are honest with themselves, who, who are challenged to see life through his lens. My prayer today would be that as we go forth from this place that we would begin to view the world not through their behaviours, that we would challenge our prejudice and our privilege. Like I said earlier, sometimes you don't realise how your vision has been skewed over the years. Just by living in our culture and in the world that we live in, our vision has been skewed. We have picked up things over our years that cause us to see others with a bias and with a prejudice, whether it comes from things that were said on a schoolyard or things that are printed in our media or just things that our fathers and mothers have taught us. that we see humanity through a skewed lens that causes us to need new lenses. Because if we are a church that is called to truly live like Jesus, then God will continue to challenge us to, to see like he saw He'll, he'll get us to look at our wrist and truly say, what would Jesus do? When we see the drunk, when we see the ice addict, when we see the Aboriginal, when we see the refugee, when we see the Muslim woman in a hijab, when we hear the language on the street, when we see the child dirty and unshoveled, when we see the mum doing her best to control a bunch of crazy kids in the supermarket, 
God would challenge us to see them with lenses that echo his love. God would challenge us to to ask ourselves, where can we minister? Where is my place? You know, God teaches us in his word that it wasn't only the poor and the disheveled that were despised in the day of Jesus, that it was also the rich, the tax collector. So I would ask, as you reflect on this word, that God may challenge you if you work, in, if you work or minister or, or move in the areas of wealth, that God will challenge that too. Because this isn't just a, a word about poverty and a, a word about the outcast, because we know that some of the most outcast, lonely, troubled people in our world are those that have multiple, multiple figures in their bank account. God will call us to minister to those with large bank accounts and those with zero dollars. Because God wants us to see the community and minister to them. Where is my well, he would ask. Is it the cafe, the footy club, the RSL? Is it my workplace, my school, my university? Is it my street? He asks us to, and he challenges us to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. You know, as someone who moves in this community, I know the greatest challenge is acceptance and love. All they want is acceptance and love. All they want is community and a place to belong. Loneliness is one of the greatest killers in our society right now. And I would challenge, God would challenge us to no longer look with eyes that are tarnished, but to look with eyes that are have clarity. In John 13, 34, it calls us to love one another as Jesus loves us. We can truly live like Jesus. Let us truly live like Jesus. And you'll be surprised, church, how, how God opens the doors. How that if we have boldness and courage to step forth and to speak his word, that God will open doors. That this place that we sit in will become filled with people who have never known him and those that have gone away from him because they were judged and they were hurt. You know, the church is a great place for welcome, but there's also a really big back door where so many people exit this place because they don't feel loved. They feel judged and they feel like the whole world's looking at them. But God would ask us to have hearts that are open. God will challenge us to be prepared to be challenged. Forgotten, not everyone that will come through these doors will be like us. Not everyone that comes through the doors will have the same values as us. They won't see Jesus the same as us. They won't see community the same as us. And, and the things they use to survive in this world will not be like us. 
but God will call them to us if we begin to live like Jesus. You know, just yesterday, as I close, I'm going to testify about this case because God brings us boldness for a reason. I was sitting in the barber's chair yesterday and I happened to, the apprentice is there and he's the one cutting my hair right now because it's easy. (laughs) It's true. But God is putting me in that place and in that chair for a particular reason. He was asking me how I was spending my day and what I was doing for the weekend and I told him I was preaching at church. These guys know that I'm a Christian and that I'm a leader because they're from a culture where Christianity is not absurd. These guys are all from the Pacific Islands. They're Samoan and they're Tongan and they're from Papua New Guinea, places where Christ has been taken and taught for generations. And these guys know faith, but as I discovered with this guy that cut my hair, he's New Zealand Maori. When he moved to Australia, he he grew up in Western Sydney in some of the most poorest areas of our country. And one day a man took him to church, one of his young teenage friends took him to church And he ended up serving in that church and being effective with those that would come into his care. He was caring for young Tongan, Samoan, Maori boys. This guy's covered in tats from head to toe. And he said to me, Matt, he said, Matt, I had faith. He said, Matt, I've still got faith and I, It shapes who I am and it shapes my beliefs and how I treat others. But the church hurt me. The church became a place where I once sought refuge, but it hurt me. And he said, Matt, I gave seven years in that place. But he said, the people there, the leaders there, Something changed in them and they became different. They became proud and arrogant. And they thought they were better than we were. They put themselves on pedestals, these leaders, and, and, they, and they tried to create a place where they weren't even sitting on the front row in church. They were waiting out the back for their time and, And I shared with him and I said, you know, God loves us despite who we are. And God understands that we we live our lives and that we don't always fit into a box. And my prayer is that one day he may walk in these doors. One day he may find a church where God is using us to minister to each other, not because of a hierarchy, not because we're on a church leadership team or we're a senior pastor, but God may use all of us 
for we want this place to be a place where we live like Jesus. Where it's not about title or position. Whereas you can do as much in the local cafe or the school or even just walking down your street that I can do from this platform. In fact, it's probably more powerful because you're meeting people where they are, in their need, in their comfortable place. And so my prayer as we go forward today is that as I began, I prayed that this would stir boldness in us and it would touch our heart. Because this isn't an easy message to hear. This is a challenging word from God. And right now I just pray that God will take us from this place and challenge our belief. That in our quiet place He will begin to give us an eye test and remind us of the things that we need to see a little clearer that He'll shape us and He'll mould us, that we'll be effective for His kingdom. Why don't you just take a moment to reflect right now? Just ask God to begin to challenge those things in your life that are causing you to see things differently and if you need to repent I just ask you in this time to just do that because God wants us to come and acknowledge our faults and our weakness He wants us to come and to come before him and say God I need you in my life to challenge these things why don't we pray Lord I thank you for your word I thank you for your word that reminds us that Christ didn't look at his his world with tainted eyes. He looked at his world through eyes that loved and cared. I just ask you today to remind us that we're called to live like Jesus lived. That we're called to view our world like he did. With no prejudice or bias, but to love to love our community and love the world we live in. And I thank you, Lord, that you'll change this place and you'll draw people to yourself. Speak to us, Lord, this week as we go out. Challenge us, Lord. I give you permission to sit in our hearts and to sit in places that are uncomfortable. I pray for your stirring in those areas. Cause us, Lord, to be uncomfortable. 
cause us to put new lenses on, I pray. In the powerful, life-changing word. And in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.